As a woman, how do I know if I struggle with sex addiction? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery. This is going to be a good topic today. I'm excited that we've got a caller that's willing to come on and talk about this. We don't often talk about it from this angle or this side of things, so I hope, I'm hoping it'll be really beneficial and helpful for a lot of people who are listening today. It's yeah, it's actually a lot more common than than you would think, but it's not talked about. It's very taboo in many ways, and so to have a caller who's courageous enough to come on to discuss this, to talk about it, I think is really exciting so yeah well but before we get yeah. started brennan i, wa- I want to kind of call you out on something you uh we were in we were in mexico last week and uh you ended up going and getting your hair put into braids <laughs> and and i thought the agreement i thought the agreement was that because we now have our our video on spotify that you were going to keep your braids in for an episode so I, why are you looking all like well back to I, normal? Need to, I need i need you to understand something an agreement <laughs> is between two people not just one <laughs> hey you look like a goofball so now you're coming on you know <laughs> and i was like no nah, i'm not doing that i'm good no but, especially after yeah. you took them out you might be probably i saw the picture of when you taking them out last night and you looked exactly like bob ross <laughs> <laughs> I got thick hair. <laughs> I, I, I had this big afro. So, yeah. But, yeah, but Mexico was good. Um, it was fun to get some sun and just hang out with the family. It was great. We just got the best family. So, grateful for everybody. Yeah. So, good times. Now we're back at work. Uh, back at, at uh, just doing what we do. So, with that, we have uh, Claire on with us today. And Claire, uh, I'll just turn it over to you for a minute. If you could give just a little bit of a background of what's going on with you, give us some context, and then ask ask any questions that that you have. Thank you. Um, So yeah, my name is Claire, and I am a woman, and I struggle with sex addiction. And I'm still getting used to hearing myself say that because I've only been in recovery less than six months here. So my um, background, I started like most addicts being exposed to pornography at a really young age, nine or 10. Um, I was raised in an overly sexualized environment, I would say, not just in my home, but my friends' homes and neighborhood, lots of adultery, pornography. Um, As a teenager, I could name by name at least six pedophiles in the neighborhood and who they were messing with was not a great environment to grow up on. And then um, to add on top of that, a lot of emotional abuse in my home. Um, So when puberty hits as a teenager, of course, um, I masturbated a lot. Um, But as a woman, a girl at the time in the 80s, um, I didn't know that's what I was doing because nobody talks to you about your sexuality when you're um, a young teenage girl. so I, masturbation, of course, is a boy problem. Um, so I didn't connect that until much later. Um, eventually, I got married and things I was able to to not act out for several years. Um, but then things get hard in life. Of course, my husband is diagnosed with depression. 
kids come along, which are um, a joy and a trial at the same time. Um, but I, at that point, I started to um, re- fall back into some fantasy. And at first, it was um, kind of innocent, just, you know, what if we lived here? What if this happened, that happened? And then I discovered romantic fantasy, which um, looked like taking men that I knew um, and then fantasizing about different things happening. And these weren't always sexual fantasies. They were primarily just romantic um, encounters, things like that. And then one day, one of those fantasies comes real when one of these guys actually hits on me and um, it starts an emotional affair that lasts um, about two and a half years. And then my husband finds out and that ends. Um, We move. I find another guy, start another affair. Um, Again, emotional. Um, Husband finds out about that one. That ends. Find another guy. It becomes a a pattern there. Um, With the third one, though, things um, get to be more challenging. My husband's losing patience with me acting out with other men. And... um, it's affecting my work environment as well. Um, and so we end up in the bishop's office and I'm in full on denial because I don't want to lose this affair like I did the other ones. Um, a lot of deflecting and rationalizing. And um, I would look at the relationship and tell myself, well, I'm not physically attracted to this guy, so we're not going to have sex. So what's the big deal? Um, but even as I would say that I knew there was something wrong because again, this was third affair. I was struggling to, to find, um, happiness in my marriage with my husband. So, um, the Bishop at the time tells us we needs to get counseling, which we go and do. And, um, my counselor diagnoses me with PTSD and codependency, which are real things. And we start unraveling that. And then, um, but there's no mention of addiction at this point, um, even though she knows my background. Um, And then one day I'm sitting in the bishop's office and he's checking in to see how things are going. And he happens to mention um, another woman that had come in to talk to him about being addicted to romance novels. And I respond and say, yeah, that's total female porn, right? But I dismiss it because I'm not reading romance novels. And then a couple of weeks later, this conversation comes back and I hear the words, Claire, you're not reading the romance novels, you're acting them out. And that opened a big light bulb in my mind. And I started to look back at my behavior and, and was able to see a lot of the compulsive nature of what I was doing. Um, uh, big manipulations, trying to get these guys to, um, act out those romantic fantasies with me. Right. Um, so I realize this is a problem and decide I'm going to end this affair. I'm going to end, put up boundaries so that I don't start another one, but, um, trying to end an addiction without the proper support doesn't go so well. Right. Um, and so, I, after I, I stop those, I, st- the withdrawals hit, I start acting out more with masturbation and some pornography use, which I'll clarify as, um, I was sexting with my husband, but, um, more and more I was 
only sending him a few of the images and deleting most of the content because I was embarrassed at how frequent this was happening. And it was um, proof that I was acting out without him. Um, so it, it became hidden. Um, and then I was at the wrong place at the wrong time and found another guy. And this affair was more of physical in nature. Um, and, and at that point, I realized I really had a problem. <laughs> um, and, and it got to the point where we... If I went back to see this guy again, it was going to be full on sex. And that was something my brain couldn't handle. And so I realized I needed to get some help. I um, was terrified to tell my husband about this other affair. So I reached out to the bishop um, and we started working on some things with him. Um, but the withdrawals were there pretty significantly. And there was one weekend where I'm at home on a break from work. And I'm sitting on the couch and I am um, I'm physically shaking um, from the withdrawals. This is about four weeks after I'd, I'd last seen this guy and I wanted to go back so bad. Um, and then I'm, my stomach's, of course, all tied up in knots from anxiety. And um, my, I'm having trouble focusing because my body's just throwing pornographic images into my head because it wants to get high. Um, and I'm sitting there thinking, well, I, I've got to go back to work in an hour and I can't function like this. So I've got to do something. So I pull out my phone and I start looking at internet porn and immediately the withdrawals calm down. It was a really weird experience, but it helped. Um, and then providentially about a week later, I, um, was at a meeting for church and I saw a woman sitting in the audience that I knew from work. We'd worked together, but we weren't particularly close friends and, um, had this impression that I needed to go and talk to her. Um, and within five minutes of our conversation starting, we were sharing intimate details about our shared experience with sex addiction. And she mm. became a key support for me to get into recovery. Um, she helped me through, the physical withdrawals, which lasted about three months, really, um, and then helped me talk to my husband and get that in the open and um, get through some of the hard times. And so that's where I'm at now um, in recovery, but still struggling with the aftermath. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you're listening here, this is the Betrayed, the Addicted, and the Expert feed, and we sure appreciate you following us and listening here. We want to let you know that we have moved to Real Talk Recovery. If you'd like to complete the episode, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, any place where there's podcasts, Real Talk Recovery, or you can go to realtalkrecovery.com. Thanks again for all of your support.